thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you're listening to the Sunday late twilight show with Maud. It is 5pm on Sunday the 14th of January 2024 and you can join me using the chat function. We can discuss today's topic, which is the mulatto solitude, a kick-ass heroine for your decolonized curriculum, teaching resources. So first, I would like to start, dear listeners, by wishing you a very good Happy New Year for the year 2024. This is my first show of the year after a well-deserved break over the Christmas period. This is also the 57th show I've been doing with Teachers Talk Radio and the first episode in a series focusing on positive female role model for a decolonized curriculum experience. So I'm still in 2024 delighted to be your hostess and to share this new exciting experience in your company. For any new potential listeners, I have to introduce myself. I am Maud, French citizen of West African and French ancestry. I have been living in the UK since 2008 and I'm a professional classroom teacher. I work in a secondary state school in North London where I teach languages and I also specialised as a consultant on decolonizing the curriculum. I am active on social media. You can find me on X, Twitter, at ProfProfMFL. All views are my own and you can always interact with me if you would like it. So today I want to focus on one topic that is relevant to me as an educator and also personally in my daily working life and the podcast and discussion will be on the topic of the mulatto solitude, a kick-ass heroine for the decolonizing the curriculum content. This is mostly relevant to any teachers and educators working in the English-speaking world parents who are interested in anti-racism and inclusive education, people interested in social studies, women's studies and language studies, as well as historians, and for the rest, the curious and well-informed. So, the mulatto solitude. I have used uh, the term mulatto in this show, and I'm very much aware of the etymology of the word. So mulatto, M-U-L-A-T-T-O, is a derogatory term, which was used uh, during the time of the Atlantic slavery trade. And it may, it, it is now an outdated term that nobody uses anymore, but it is a derogatory term. This means that it's a person, a mulatto is a person who is half European, half African. So it usually is used to point at someone's black and white ancestry. And it was also a way to dehumanize people. And it was not a term that we would use nowadays. We would use biracial or mixed race. But I've chose to use the mulatto solitude because if you want to know more about solitude and you just type solitude on your web search, you will not find what you're looking for. Sadly, because the mulatto solitude lived at a time when the term mulatto was in use. Her name is still associated with this derogatory term. So I'm, I'm apologizing if anyone's offended by the use of the term mulatto, but this is the way she has been known for at least 300 years, 200 years. So we can find another term at the end of this show if you want to use the comment section. Right. So the mulatto solitude is someone I want to talk about a lot today, but not only. I also want to give you some pointers and some etymology words. So the another word I'm going to use today is the word maroon. A maroon, a person who is maroon, that it has two meaning, but we're going to focus on the second meaning, maroon. Maroon meant again, in the context of the, the context of the uh, slavery and the transatlantic s- 
trade. And Maroon was a black person who was obviously taken from Africa and then brought to the Americas, to the West Indies or to the Americas. And this was a person who refused to be enslaved and escaped. So for a lot of these people, it was a matter of survival that they hid in the jungle because if they were found again, they would be brought back to the plantations. They would be punished, tortured, or killed, or maimed. So a maroon was someone who wanted to be free, and they settled far away from cities in secluded settlements where they had to be hidden and protected. So from the late 17th century, the term maroon describes a runaway person Bet who wants UK to live in freedom and has away. to live Are you in ready a remote to join location in secret. 600 plus exhibitors on seven content stages from 120 countries and see Louis Theroux, Dame Darcy Bustle, Jason Arday, Laurel Carner, Baroness Luella Benjamin, Dan Fitzpatrick, Mr. P.I.C.T. and so much more. <gasps> I might need to bring my trainers. The best part? Educators go free. Get your ticket now at uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR. 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more. So you might not be familiar with the term decolonizing the curriculum. Decolonizing the curriculum has different meaning according to whom you ask, but I can give you the, a meaning that is on one website, the Kiel University definition of decolonizing the curriculum. Kiel is spelled K-E-E-L-E. So Kiel University describes decolonizing as an attempt to identify colonial systems, structures and relationships and an attempt to challenge those colonial structures. It is not just a curriculum where we assimilate people from other cultures, when we integrate people from other cultures. But it is a system which wants a shift in our culture, which gets rid of exclusion, racism, denial of the colonial past, and tries to bring a new political and economical philosophy that that brings acknowledgement of all the struggle that people experienced during the colonial times, and that wants an active change in the future. So the way I see decolonizing the curriculum is we started decolonizing the we started decolonizing countries after the first world war with the idea that everybody should be able to govern themselves as a people. And then we had that first wave of liberation from Africa and Asia when uh, former colonized countries became independent. That was the political decolonizing. Now, we are at the third phase, which is the cultural decolonization, because it's not enough to just give independence to a country and then keep using uh, economy, currency, trade to keep a colonial power in place via a form of capitalism. It is now our duty in Europe and in the Western world to teach our students what colonial empires did, how it has shaped our society, and to get rid of racism once and for all. So first, decolonizing the curriculum asks us to look at the world we live in and ask ourselves, is our society a fair society? Does everybody have a chance to, uh, to strive for happiness? 
And if you ask yourself that question, you will give an answer that no, we do not have an, a fair society, that we have societies that are very impacted by colonization in their history, economy, and cultural representations. Once you have become aware of this situation, you have to challenge the status quo. You have to encourage everybody to learn more about our past in order to reshape our present. This also implies that we offer a pedagogy for our students that is anti-racist and inclusive. And finally, that we give space and money and recognition to all the people who are part of our society and our culture, and that we recognize the work and contribution of people who are from ethnic minorities or who are non-European, to summarize. So this is what decolonizing the curriculum is about. Now, in what context are we talking about decolonizing. This is January 2024. I hope you've all enjoyed your Christmas holidays. You might have been lucky and seen lots of your family members, or you might have been unlucky like me and caught that nasty little virus that was not COVID, but just quite as bad over the Christmas period. So you had a lot of time to do some research or read if you were uh, in the same situation as I was. There was a movie that was released just before uh, Christmas. It was one of the latest movies made by Ridley Scott, who is a British film director. You might have heard of that movie. It's a, I would say, fictional biopic based on Napoleon Bonaparte. And uh, I haven't seen the movie, but you might have seen it. And if you have, could you please give me your opinion on the movie via the chat function? I would be really delighted to hear what you said about the movie. According to Guardian journalist Wendy Ice, the Napoleon biopic was a, I quote, rather battle-heavy movie. So I guess if you like Gladiator and 300 and a lot of historical battles, you would be delighted to watch the Napoleon movie. Now, according to another Guardian journalist, Vanessa Thorpe, she said that she quoted Dan Snow, the historian, who is a specialist of military expeditions and battles, and he said that despite being a very expensive movie, $200 million was the cost to make this movie, the accuracy of the battles was not that good. If you like your battles to be based on facts, not so much. Dan Snow said, I quote, I love historical epics. I love Ridley Scott. But if you're watching this movie, it ain't a documentary. So this is to take with not a pinch of salt, but I would say a whole kilo, a one kilo bag of salt. For instance, in the biopic, Ridley Scott puts Napoleon in Egypt and makes him shoot at a pyramid, which is completely silly, absurd, and unreal. And also, he, he sets a scene where Napoleon is witnessing Marie Antoinette being guillotined. That didn't happen either. I think he just wanted to show a very famous event in French history to his audience. So, why, where am I standing as a classroom teacher who is French as a nationality and who loves history? Well, at first, when I heard about the Napoleon movie, I wanted to go and watch it with my children, who are teenagers, and I wanted them to know more about France and Napoleon. And then I realized that it was not going to be helpful because none of the very important issues regarding Napoleon were actually raised. If you look at Napoleon and who he represents, for most people, he was a short man, allegedly, who had a tricorn hat and someone who had some very successful battles and some not successful battles. A successful battle has been the, the one that was the, the tube station in Paris was named after was Austerlitz. And one that was a tube station in England, but was a big, massive fail, was Waterloo. So, for most people, Napoleon was a bit of a dictator. If not, <coughs> I apologize, someone who wanted to be emperor of Europe. Not the first man, 
not the last, sadly. But what I was expecting as a history teacher and also someone who works on decolonizing, I was expecting that Ridley Scott would maybe in one of his, I don't know if it's his last, but he's, he's someone in his 80s, so he's definitely not a newcomer. I was expecting him to have a few positive female role models. You remember Ridley Scott as being the man who gave us Alien, the movie, starring Sigourney Weaver, a, a great female role in Alien in 1979, and then the amazing Telman and Louise in 1991. So I was hoping that there would be some space for uh, positive female role models. No, not so much. Just Napoleon's wife. And then I was also hoping that Ridley Scott would also focus on what Napoleon did in the West Indies and his involvement in the slavery and transatlantic trade. And once more, nothing, not a word. It's not interesting. We never seem to want to focus in Europe when we do biopic about history on what we did to other cultures and other nations and the people who lived there. And this is why I think it's even more important than I raised the subject of decolonizing the curriculum. It's because we need to stop having such a white, middle-class, middle-aged man's version of history. It needs to change. It needs to be diverse, inclusive, more accurate, and also embracing other cultures. So a big epic fail, in my opinion, that Napoleon... Uh, the movie didn't include the fact that Napoleon reinstalled slavery after it was abolished. So you might not know this, but France had a revolution in 1789. I'm teasing, I know you knew. But you might not know that part of the Declaration of Human Rights, of the rights of men in France, was the abolition of slavery in 1794. It was a decree, 16th Pluvio's year two, by the Constituent Assembly that declared that slavery was against the Constitution and the rights of man. What a wonderful idea. And so early in, um, in our time, 1794, we had to wait for 1865 for the US to drop slavery. So it was very well ahead of its time. And what happened? Well, once people were aware that slavery was abolished. Obviously, the slaves were freed and they didn't want to work in plantations anymore. So they were paid sometimes, still beaten up and not, not treated well. So a lot more slaves, a lot more freed slaves became maroons and left the plantation. So that created a massive drop in the number of workers, and there was no more money coming from the sugar trade, the sugar cane trade. So in that set situation, we had Toussaint Louverture, who seized power in Saint-Domingue. Saint-Domingue was a colony that the British, the French, and the Spanish were disputing. It is now actual Haiti. Saint-Domingue was promulgated as its own colonial constitution in 1801 when the, the freedmen wanted to create their own society. So this example scared slave owners in North America, south of the, of the United States and in other West Indian colonies because it could spread this idea that we could have free slaves who start their own countries. So in that context, Napoleon took power after the revolution when France was in a state of civil war and he realized that there was no more money coming in. So what did he decide to do? Well, because he was a bit of a dictator and wannabe emperor, he decided to bring back slavery. And of course, if you see yourself as someone who is only interested in battles set in Belgium, you're not going to be interested in knowing this. But if you see yourself as a citizen of the world, you might imagine how it must feel to be born free or to become free after 1794 and then be told in 1802, by the way, Napoleon wants you to become a slave again. So just that must have been terrible, a shock, and made people who wanted to be free very, very angry. 
So this is in that context, and a shame that the movie doesn't mention it, that we have many Maroons, freed slaves, former slaves, who are absolutely enraged when they hear that Napoleon wants them to go back to being slaves. So what do they do? Well, if they were still on a plantation, they would leave the plantation, even if they were paid workers. And if they were in the jungle hiding, they might want to bear arms and fight back to free themselves. So we are on, in a situation where we have a lot of people who had a, a taste of freedom and they are not going to be enslaved again. So in the early months of 1802, Napoleon listened to the plantation owners who were complaining that they didn't have any money. And he sent a large military expedition to restore order and reimpose slavery in the West Indies, the French West Indies. A number of officers in the French army who happened to be mulattoes, which means that they were mixed race or they were black, but they were freed. They really took against France as a government and they rejected the official French decision. So they started a resistance. And I would compare that to what, for instance, the resistance did in the Second World War. <coughs> I beg your pardon. When they, the French started rebelling against Nazi occupation. If you're a freed black man in the West Indies, you're not going to let your government impose slavery again. So these men organized themselves. And because it, it was, it was a situation that was dire for everybody who happened to have some African ancestry. It wasn't just men who rebelled, it was also women and their children as an extension. So it was a massive rebellion that started in the French West Indies. And then, who do we have who became very prominent? Well, it was someone who goes by the name Solitude. Now, is it her real name? No. Slaves were not recorded unless you look at possessions, but they were not recorded in the parishes by a priest. So we don't really know how many slaves there were. We don't know their names and they didn't have a surname. And if they were given one, it would have been their owner's surname. So we don't know the real name of Solitude. We just know that she was young mulatto. So allegedly, again, the, there is no historical sources what we use to learn more about solitude is a fiction biopic written in the 70s by Andre, Andre Schwartz, and we'll talk more about Andre Schwartz later. But this is a book written by a novelist from oral history records. So it could be the truth. It could be far from the truth. There's no way we can find out. So she's nameless but she's famous as Solitude. Some people call her Rosalie, but this is, again, not her name. There was a habit from slave owners or people who hired paid workers after the sla slavery was abolished in 1794, and they would name their servants either Marie or Rosalie. So whenever they had a new servant, she would be called Rosalie. And if she passed or if she died or if she moved, she was sold on, the next person who would replace her would take the name Rosalie again. So it's, it's an erasure of someone's identity because they became, they become just a function. Rosalie is the one who cleans. Rosalie is the one who takes care of the chicken and, and the pigs. She's not a real person. She's just an object and she can be replaced. So solitude or Rosalie, it's not her real name and we will never know her real name because no records were found. But let's just imagine that after what André Schwartz wrote in his fiction, that Solitude was born from a black African woman who was kidnapped from Africa and put on a ship and brought to the Americas. And you might not be aware, but there was something that we, we would object to, but 
Often the black women who were on the ship were given to the sailors to calm the men down after a long time spent at sea. So she, she was subjected to sexual abuse and she arrived uh, pregnant with a child. So solitude was half white, half black. And when she arrived, she had to live in the condition of slavery because her mum was sold to a slave owner. Her mother died at eight years old according to the oral records that we have. And then we do not know how, but Solitude escaped. And she went to live as a maroon in the jungle in a settlement with other escaped runaway slaves. They became free in 1794 when slavery was abolished by the French Revolution. And then once uh, Napoleon imposed slavery again in 1802, Solitude, who was about 30 at the time, realized that she had to take a stand. She was not going to get captured again. She was going to fight or die. So she joined a group of freedom fighters with some famous men who had been soldiers and were trained, Louis Delgras, Ignace, Palem, and Jacquet. And all these people, these very brave people, so they might have been called terrorists by our, by the people who were slave owners and plantation owners, they might have been called freedom fighters by people who were on their side. They took arms, they used violence, but it was to protect their freedom against the army of Napoleon. So, live free or die is what solitude, it was her motto, and she fought very violently. She was not staying at the back making food for her male fighter's friend. She was armed and she killed and she was also sometimes in charge of prisoners and she was very harsh with white prisoners. So she's not vanilla role model. She's not someone who used nonviolence. She was definitely a woman, a freedom fighter, and she did fight a lot. So her legacy, and I'm going to tell you how how her life ended later on, but I just want you to know that her legacy is really important now uh, in the French West Indies. So solitude is very famous. She has been described as the symbol of Caribbean women who fought to protect the ideals of equality and freedom. Now, that's quite ironic when you think about it, because the idea of equality, freedom and liberty is the French motto, liberté, égalité, fraternité. And the Declaration of Men's Rights in uh, 1794 in France uh, after the revolution gave rights for people to be free and, and choose their lifestyles. And yet, for people of color, it was not to be. So that's quite ironic that she had to fight against the French government to perpetuate the ideals that are seen as French ideals. So her name is still talked about, even though, as I explained, it was not her real name. We've lost her real name. And if you ever visit Guadeloupe, which would be very lucky for you because it's an amazing place, it's beautiful. There's many squares and avenues who are, that are named after solitude. And people have written novels about her, but also poems, songs. A library is made named after her, and there's a museum room uh, about her. Uh, the first statue honoring solitude was erected in Guadeloupe in 1999. And you can see it online if you want. There's many pictures. But I want to insist on the fact that now France is making very, very tentative, shy steps in the process of decolonizing culture and the curriculum. So now if you ever go to Paris, please, please, please go and visit the Jardin Solitude. It's a garden that was named after Solitude and there is a new statue of her that has been erected in 2022. So that's very new still. If you know about Paris. It's uh, near the Malesherbes tube station. And I will really advise anyone who visits Paris to stop at the Jardin Solitude and take a selfie or a picture and put it on social media because Solitude statue is the first statue of a black woman in Paris. 
ever. So Paris has been there since Roman times. It was called Elysium, and it was Lut Lutetia, sorry, that was the name of Paris in the Roman times. So 2,000 years of history and only one statue of a black woman in Paris since 2022. So obviously you might say, well, why would we have a statue of a black African woman? Because we, this is not an indigenous person. Well, if you consider that a lot of buildings built in Nantes and Bordeaux and Paris were built by selling slaves, you might want to acknowledge that. And also, I could argue that you all know the Eiffel Tower. It's a very famous sightseeing location in Paris, and it was financed by colonial banks. So it's only fair to have statues of African people who have contributed by their blood, sweat, and tears to the economy and the architecture of Paris and other French towns. I find it even more symbolic to know that the name of the garden before it was named after solitude, it used to be named the Jardin Catrou. Who was Georges Catrou? Well, well, to me, it, you can't find something more symbolic of decolonizing the curriculum. Georges Catrou was a very dignified French man, a soldier who fought in many wars from the First World War to colonial wars in North Africa, in Indochina, in Algeria, and then in World War II. So he was a military man who fought against indigenous people in colonial and colonized countries. And he represents the ideal of, you know, this strong white man who is a conqueror and who puts the country first and who is going to con conquer and control all these indigenous people abroad in the name of the glory of the country. So that's who he represents, Georges Catrou. And yet his name now has been taken away and it's been replaced by an alleged name of black mixed race woman who was fighting against France. And I think this is so symbolic of what we need to do when we want to decolonize the curriculum. I think it's wonderful. And the woman who made a speech when the statue was erected in Paris in May 2022 was the current Socialist Party, Anne Hidalgo. She's a member of the Socialist Party. And I think it's really telling that she has obviously some Spanish heritage. She's called Hidalgo and she's a woman. And she made a speech in honor of solitude. So times are changing, for as a quote of Bob Dylan, and we are only at the beginning of this process. It is really important that we, we replace a white man's military figure of a soldier who fought for the colonial empire of France by the statue of a woman who fought against France to actually protect the ideals that France is famous for, freedom, liberty, and equality. Now, what's special about solitude, you might ask? A lot of uh, Black African women or mixed-race women fought against colonial and slavery and died in the process. So why did we choose solitude as a symbol? Well, it's simple. Solitude was just caught up in events that were much bigger than her. Remember, Napoleon wanted to wage war in Europe and he needed money when he took over France. And then there was no more money from the sugarcane trade because obviously slavery had been abolished. So he had to sacrifice the freedom of black people in the West Indies in order to fund his war machine. Again, it's the objectification of people that we see in so many economic systems nowadays. We sacrifice some people in order to make money to achieve some goals of conquest. You could, you could see current leaders who are making these same choices nowadays. So Napoleon reestablishes slavery in the French colonies. He sends 4,000 men under the command of General Antoine Richepance. And then they go and fight against women, children, and 
freed slaves. May the 8th, 1802, Solitude is fighting in the jungle with Louis Delgray. They lead a black resistance movement. They are armed and Solitude happens to be pregnant. She fell in love with a, a black uh, African man who had also been part of the resistance movement. She fell in love and she got pregnant. So she's fighting against military men while being pregnant. The women were very active on the front line. They encouraged fighters, they prepared weapons, they comforted the wounded, they brought water for the fighters, they transported the dead, but they also fought. And finally, at the end, they were cornered by the French troops. The freedom fighters had to retreat in two groups. Delgresse, the, the man who had soldier experience, took a position in Matuba and his colleague Ignace in Dole. And Solitude apparently was in Dole with Ignace. They were finally overwhelmed by the French army and they decided to blow themselves up in a fort that they had taken over. So Delgré blows himself up and Solitude is wounded, but she's captured alive. So what's going to happen to Solitude? She's caught by the French army. Slavery is reinstated. She's pregnant and she's a prisoner. Well, she's been told that she was a traitor to the country because she fought for her freedom and that she was going to be either hanged or we don't really know how she was killed. Again, oral history is not really reliable. Some people argue she was hanged, but she was told that she was going to get hanged. What was going to happen to her? She was pregnant. So you might think that out of Christian charity, they would wait for her to give birth so that her child wasn't uh, killed with her. But it was not out of Christian charity that they gave her the time to finish her pregnancy. It's because now that slavery was reinstated, her belly contained another slave worker and they didn't want to waste valuable object. So they waited for her to give birth so that they could enslave her baby. So on November the 28th, 1802, and that date is recorded because when whenever slaves rebel and are executed, we record their date of death. But when they were born, no one bothered recording their date of birth. So we know when solitude died. She gave birth and the day after she was hanged. Or executed. So, very short life, 30 years, and yet we still remember her, and now she has her statue in Paris. How come we know so much about her? Well, it's not if you go to the site where her friends blew themselves up in the jungle, because there's no landmark, there's nothing to see there, not even a plague. It's because her story was retold by people and we have absolutely no idea what happened to a child, if he survived infancy, if he became a slave, if he was ill-treated because of whom, whom his mother was. We don't know anything because you know how in, in some societies the, the, the most vulnerable people are never given a chance to be recorded or remembered. So we don't know what happened to Solitude's son, but we know it was a boy and we know his mom died on that date. And she's still famous because she was so important as a symbol. She apparently shouted before being executed, live, live free or die. Vivre libre ou mourir. Which is quite the motto to follow. So how do we know so much about solitude even though nothing was kept and recorded and written? Well, it's because someone in 1972 decided to write biography. It's a fictional one, as I said. You had to, the author had to fill the gaps with their imagination, but they did it respectfully and they did it with a lot of respect and care. And it was André Schwarzbart, so Andrew Schwarzbart. Andrew had personal history that made him uh, side with the, the vanquished, the wounded and the vulnerable, because André Schwarzbart was a Jewish man, a Jewish, a French Jewish man, and he had survived the Holocaust. 
So he knew what it was to be erased by someone who comes and conquers a country. And because he fell in love with a mixed-race woman, he decided to write the story of solitude when he heard about her after visiting Guadeloupe. So André Schwarzbart is the reason why we, we know so much now. He wrote a novel entitled The Mulatto Solitude, and he had to reinvent a lot of story to make it, obviously, more readable, but he, he was true to who she represents. So I think it's it's amazing to see that we can find a role model to share with our students. And this will be something that's going to enrich our lesson plans, but also make them think. And it's a role model who is not someone, you know, who is, as I say, vanilla or who is very politically correct. Depending on which side you stand in history, solitude was a terrorist or a freedom fighter or just someone who had wanted to protect the ideas of the French Revolution, equality, freedom, and liberty. To me, a positive role model for students is someone who makes difficult choices, who is not always doing the right thing. Solitude was apparently, according to some people who had been uh, imprisoned by the, the Maroons, she was quite violent and aggressive towards prisoners. So she was not perfect, far from it, but she was someone who made a decision, stuck to it, and we all know by now that she was on the right side of history. She was passionate, she tried her best, she challenged authority, and I think any role model should be someone who challenges authority, someone who is a whistleblower, someone who doesn't want the status quo to keep going if it's unfair. And she did make mistakes, and she lost and she lost her life, and she lost her family, and she lost her child. But she won the battle of ideas because she was in favor of freedom for black people. So an amazing role model for your students. I hope you find this intriguing, exhilarating, but also I hope it makes you angry because whenever you read about what we did during colonial times and what the empires did and, and slavery, there is a lot of anger associated to discovering the truth. Bet UK is just two weeks away. Are you ready to join 30,000 attendees, 600 plus exhibitors on seven content stages from 120 countries and see Louis Theroux, Dame Darcy Bustle, Jason Arde, Laurel Carner, Baroness Luella Benjamin, Dan Fitzpatrick, Mr PICT and so much more. I might need to bring my trainers. The best part? Educators go free. Get your ticket now at uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR. 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more. Podcast and show is about the mulatto solitude, but it's not just about her. I really want to inspire any educators, whether you are a classroom teacher or you are a parent, home educating or just someone who wants to teach their children about, you know, equality, anti-racism and inclusion. How can you broach the subject and how can you uh, make an interesting lesson about solitude? Well, it's simple. 
you need to bring them resources that are easily accessible and that don't take too much of your time because we're all very busy people. So posters, it's easy to make a poster nowadays. You just take pictures on the internet. There's many pictures of the mulatto solitude. You have statues of her in Paris, but also in Guadeloupe. If you just type mulatto solitude Guadeloupe, you're going to see pictures of her statue. And it's a very, very big statue, bigger than her life size. And she's heavily pregnant on it. You can see the statue in Paris. Jardin Solitude. It's a different statue, that one. It's in brass or copper. I'm not sure about the material, but she's waving a parchment. So I don't really know why she has a parchment in her hand. I would assume she's waving, at, she's, she's holding on to the 1794 abolition of slavery document, even though I'm sure she never got her hands on it, but it's a symbol. She's the one who is right. She's the one who followed modern history and she was on the right side and she is also heavily pregnant so you can show pictures of all the statues and there's many solitude you can also use illustration from novels there's a comic book there's the andre schwarzbart novel book covers very different book covers because there's been a lot of editions you can do a collage with all these illustrations and there was a stamp a French stamp released in 2022 when the statue was erected in Paris with a drawing of uh, solitude. And here she's holding onto broken chains. She's pregnant as well on that picture. So very diverse illustrations. It shows how she inspires artists. So what you can do is use visuals with your students to, to make a poster. You can also ask them to describe the pictures. I'm a language teacher, so we do a lot of picture description. I would give them pictures of the mulatto solitude and just let them comment on, on um, her appearance. This might lead to questions about the fact that she was pregnant, and uh, then we can broach the whole story step by step. Because I'm a language student, I would definitely use the book, the novel written by André Schwarzbart, the Mulatress, La Mulatress Solitude or The Mulatto Solitude. There is an English version you can use. Because I'm a language teacher, I would use a, a, an audio recording. There is one available for you, just the first chapter on the, of the novel at the website www.defam.fr you will see an extract read by an actress. You can use it as a listening task for your students. Then you can ask them to pick up some French words they recognize, some cognates. You can also give them the transcript. The first chapter is available online. And because I want to acknowledge the importance of the book written by André Schwarzbart, he's the one who made her famous in Europe. I'm going to read just the first two paragraphs of his novel, La Mulatresse Solitude. So I'm going to read it in French. Bear with me, dear listeners, if you don't speak French, because I will read it in English afterwards. So let's go. La Mulatresse Solitude. Il était une fois, sur une planète étrange, une petite négresse nommée Bayangoumé. Elle était apparue sur Terre vers 1750, dans un paysage calme et compliqué de delta, en une contrée où se mêlaient les eaux claires d'un fleuve, les eaux vertes d'un océan, les eaux noires d'un marigot, et où l'âme était encore immortelle, dit-on. Mais les habitants de ce lieu n'avaient pas d'Olympe, de Walala ou de Jérusalem céleste. Ils n'aimaient guère à se perdre dans les nuées. Ils tenaient beaucoup trop à leurs vaches, à leurs prés salés, à leurs rizières, surtout qui étaient connues et appréciées dans tout l'Ouest africain. Trois jours après leurs funérailles, ils prenaient simplement le chemin du royaume des ancêtres que chacun savait trouver sous le village à trois pieds de la surface. So this was an extract from André Schwarzbart's The Mulatto Solitude in French, the first chapter or an extract from the first chapter. And I'm going to read you the translation. So that could be a task you do in a language lesson. So here we go for the translation. 
Once upon a time, on a strange planet, there lived a little black girl named Bayangume. She appeared on Earth around 1750 in a calm and complicated landscapes of deltas in a land where the clear waters of a river, the green waters of an ocean, the black waters of a backwater mixed together and where the soul was still immortal, they say. But the inhabitants of this place did not have an Olympus, a Walhalla or a heavenly Jerusalem. They didn't like to get lost in the clouds. They cared too much about their cows, their salt meadows, and especially their rice fields, which were known and appreciated throughout West Africa. Three days after their funeral, they simply took the path to the kingdom of the ancestors that everyone knew to find under the village, three feet from the surface. So as you can see, this extract is obviously starting in Africa because André Schwarzbart was very much aware that you could not avoid talking about the transatlantic journey that uh, Solitude's mother did. So he started by describing the the hometown or the home country of uh, Bayangume. He gave a name to Solitude's mother. Again, we didn't have records of the names of the slaves who were put on a boat on the island of Gori. So he had to use his imagination, but it's really, it's really potent that he started the journey from the homeland. So once you've studied with the listening and then you've did a translation. I, I usually also do linguistic work with my students on text. We circle verbs, we identify tenses, we look for words we already know, we use a highlighter to do so. And then at other times, we also do a dictionary race. We have to find 10 new words and find the definitions as fast as possible. So with a two paragraph text, we can fill a whole lesson with linguistic content. And yet it's also cultural. And it's also a part of decolonizing the curriculum because the content is about solitude and the translating, translating, ah, can't say it, the, the slavery and the, the Napoleon war as well. So you can, you can do a lot with very few resources you easily find on a search engine when you want to do decolonize, decolonized lesson. So I also work on dates because knowing dates in a different language is tricky. So I give dates in, in numbers to my students, and then I give them the, the task of finding how to say it in a language. So I chose uh, Solitude's biographical dates. So we, uh, we think Solitude was 30 when she died. So 1772 was her alleged birthday. So she was born in slavery. 1794 was when slavery was abolished in France during the uh, revolution. 1802 is when Napoleon decided to restore slavery. And 1802 is when Solitude was killed because she fought against the reinstallation of slavery. 1928 is when Andrew Schwarzbart was born in France in a Jewish family. 1978 is when he published the Mulatto Solitude novel. 1999 is when the first statue of Solitude was erected in Guadeloupe, aux, aux, aux Abîmes Boulevard. By, uh, the statue was made by Jackie Poulier. 2007 is a statue in the Hauts de Seine. 2011 is when a housing construction project in Ivry-sur-Seine decided to name a new road, Allée de la Mulatresse Solitude, in honor of solitude. And then 2019, there was a comic book written by Frédéric Legrand Terrier, Terrien, apologies, and Solitude is the main character in, in the comic book. 2022 is the first black woman as a statue in Paris. It's, it was in May, May the 10th, and there was a release of a postal stamp la la labeled Solitude 1772-1802 in her honor. So a lot of biographical dates over almost 300 years. What matters 
right now in 2024 is that we have more knowledge, more resources. So as I said, you can buy the book in English. You can buy a comic book. If you're into uh, stamps, you, I'm sure you can get the the stamp edition of Solitude. And also there is the statue to visit. If you're wealthy enough to travel to Guadeloupe, do it. It's wonderful. But if you can just do simple city weekend in Paris, please go to the Jardin Solitude and take a picture and post it on social media, raise awareness. More people need to know about Solitude. I believe she should be famous I'm not saying she should be as famous as Napoleon, but she should definitely be remembered the same way as Joanna Vark, who is another person who raised an army and fought and died in the process. I think we need these female role models, these kick-ass heroines who can show us that women mattered in history. If you want A-level material for your students, there's a great interview with Simone Schwarzbart. As I said, André Schwarzbart, the writer, who was the one who gave us so much knowledge about solitude. He was married to a woman, a mixed-race woman, Simone, who was from Guadeloupe. And I guess it's because they were a biracial marriage that they were really interested in inclusion and anti-racism. And she, in her own right, is a writer now. Sadly, André Schwarzbart, has died. Uh, he's no longer with us, but you can read his book and you can listen to his wife being interviewed. She's a writer in her own right. If you don't have time to go over a lot of content in class, please do not hesitate to give some homework to your students or your children. You can tell them to find 10 facts about the Mulatto Solitude. You can ask them to find 10 facts about Simone Schwarzbart or André Schwarzbart, or another of the male soldiers who rebelled against France and fought in the jungle. You can also ask the students to write a little paragraph on the use of the terminology mulatto. What do they think about it? What's the problem when we use derogatory terminology like this? There's a lot of things you can do in PSHCE or in a history lesson. It's really, really open you can use art with illustrations to broach the subject. You can use history, obviously, but also food. You know, Guadeloupean cuisine is wonderful. So you could ask your students to make a recipe from Guadeloupe. You can talk about the sugarcane trade. It's really vast, the content we can use when we try to decolonize the curriculum. Again, lots of articles available online. You can find newspaper articles about the inauguration of the statue, can give a reading comprehension to your student, give them a translation of the original text in French. The questions you could ask could be, whose statue was erected in Paris in 2022? When was it exactly erected? Who is the politician who made the speech during the inauguration? Who was Solitude? What's special about her? How many statues of women are in Paris? How many statues of black women are in Paris? Now, if you've followed the whole presentation today, you know that it was the answers are La Mulatresse Solitude. La Mulatresse Solitude has a statue in Paris. It was erected in May the 10th, 2022. Anne Hidalgo was from the Socialist Party and she's the one who made the speech. Solitude was a mixed race freedom fighter in Guadeloupe who fought against the Napoleon army, against the reinstallation of slavery in 1802. Uh, what's special about her? She lost. She fought until she was caught and then she was pregnant, so it gave her a few months in captivity before she was hanged the day after she gave birth. How many statues of women are in Paris now? That's my question. How many do you think? Well, it is 40 approximately. So you might think it's a lot, but there's thousands of statues in Paris. A lot of them are of white soldiers, white men on a horse, you know, 
classic patriarchal representation of leadership. But now we have one black woman as a statue and it's solitude. So definitely a historical moment. I'm really proud that we're moving on and I want more of this. And I just hope that Hollywood is going to follow and that soon we won't have a Napoleon biopic, but we will have a solitude biopic. And it will be full of battle scenes because she was fighter as well. I know we have, as educators, the pressures of GCSE. And whenever I do a decolonized lesson, I follow the specification of exam boards. I know that in the French language, we have to talk about people and lifestyle, culture, identity and relationship. So solitude is quite fitting in that sense. It's French history. She had a strong identity as a mixed race woman. We talk about theme two popular culture in the GCSE content, customs and festivals, celebrations, celebrity culture. So I think, again, solitude being a bit of an icon in Guadeloupe is definitely fitting in the topics for the GCSE. In the new GCSE specifications that come into operation in 2024 for French language and Spanish as well, we have travel, tourism, and the environment. When you talk about travel and tourism, Guadeloupe and the West Indies fit perfectly as well. And if you talk about the environment, there's been a pesticide that created a nightmare for the environment in Guadeloupe. So again, we tick the boxes of the requirements for GCSEs. So I do think that people and educators in, in U the UK and, and in other countries should not be shy and should not avoid developing a curriculum that is decolonized because it is not actually that difficult to do. As I said, we have the internet. You just download a few pictures, create a poster, or ask your students to comment on a picture of uh, solitude. Give them a reading comprehension about solitude. Make them read an extract from the novel written by André Schwartz. But, so there's, it's a click away the content if you want a decolonized curriculum. It fits with your GCSE requirements. You can still teach linguistics. You can still teach numbers and in the language. You can still teach history in the way that you're supposed to. If you're a history teacher, you can ask your students to find facts about the people mentioned. It is not that hard to bring a layer of inclusion and anti-racism in lesson planning. Now, if you want some pointers, there are so many freedom fighters who deserve to be famous, who deserve to have their own biopic made as a Hollywood movie. I'm thinking if you're a Spanish teacher, there is Rigoberta Menchu, who was also someone who worked really hard to, to protect the rights of indigenous people, Mayan people. There is so many. So please take a look around you. Check out some websites about decolonizing. There is plenty of content on the BBC app. I play with Black and British Forgotten History. The historian David Olusoga does a lot to bring awareness on people who are not white Caucasian and their influence over our culture here. There's Bernadine Evaristo, who wrote a manifesto on never giving up to celebrate people of color and their contribution to culture and society. So we need to make more black role models famous in our schools. We need to promote their history, their contribution. It is definitely something that is a click away. If you're not a language teacher and you're not teaching about France, remember most big cities in the UK have interesting role models who were from black and African minorities. There is in, in Edinburgh, the re revolutionary Robert Wedderburn and also the 
abolitionist Tom Jenkins, who was the first black teacher in Scotland. You can contact Lisa William, the founder of Edinburgh Caribbean Society. She offers black history tours of Edinburgh. So you don't need to to know more about French history. You can look at UK history and you will find very important people to talk about. So I hope that gave you a little outlook on decolonizing the curriculum. I hope you enjoyed listening to the tragic but empowering story of the mulatto solitude. Please Google, or I shouldn't say Google, apologies, use a web search and look up the mulatto solitude, check her picture, the illustration, maybe read the book written by André Schwarzbart and just find out more facts about it. This is how we stretch our knowledge. We go from generic knowledge about a white man on a horse, Napoleon, and then we stretch our knowledge all the way to the West Indies and we get to a plantation and then the jungle and a little settlement in the jungle where very brave maroons were fighting for the rights of freedom, equality, and liberty. And I think it's so important that we know that these ideals, liberté, égalité, fraternité, they are universal and everybody can attach themselves to these ideals and want to promote them. Uh, it has no borders, it has no nationalities. It's about knowing who we are as human beings and celebrating our uniqueness and our strength. So please uh, reach out if you want to let me know what you think about solitude. Would you be tempted to mention her in your lessons? If you go about trying it, can you just tell me how it went with your students? I'm going to do it next week with my students. I'll let you know on X Twitter how it went with this decolonized the curriculum lesson plan. So I wish you a lovely evening and uh, stay safe. Thank you. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.